Good morning, everybody. All right. I want to send my greetings to those of you who are watching our campuses this morning in Waterbury, in Derby, and in New Milford. And for those of you joining us online, uh, welcome to you as well. Uh, We are in a sermon series right now that we're calling Jesus Is. We are in a theme year all based around Jesus. And um, we're excited just to focus on who this Jesus is. My prayer and our prayer for you and for myself as well is that we would go deeper in our relationship with Jesus than we ever have before. Like, that's the goal, (laughs) as clearly and plainly stated. Our prayer, our hope is that you would go further with Jesus than you've ever gone before. You might say, well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. Yes, you too. You might say, well, I got dragged here. Yes, you too. (laughs) There's so much for us to know about this Jesus who deeply loves us, who walks with us through the power of his spirit. Sometimes I think we walk through life in a daze, unaware of the presence of God. Jesus is here right now. How would we tune our hearts? How would we listen in in this moment? fully realizing that the presence of God is with us right now? How would we worship? Would we have worshiped a little bit differently? I know on every campus we've, we've had some worship and things like that. If, if we truly believe God's presence is with us, would, would we worship a little bit differently? I'm praying that each and every one of us would go deeper in our walk with Jesus than we've ever gone before. And I pray that right now we'd make a commitment to drop down our guards, to open up our hearts and say, Jesus, have your way in me. Would you be willing to say that? This is unscripted right now, but would you be willing to say that with me? Jesus, have your way in me, right? Jesus, have your way in me. Man, Lord, come and move powerfully in each and every one of our lives. Today, I want to talk to you about how Jesus is compassionate, Jesus is compassionate. This is what compassion is. Compassion is experiencing and knowing and feeling the pain and needs of others. And then there's a second part of it, ready to help. See, compassion isn't compassion without that second piece. Uh, If it's without that second piece, then it's just feeling badly for people. Maybe it's even empathetic or being sensitive to others, but compassion means knowing and feeling, experiencing the pain and needs of others, ready to help, ready to be a part of the answer, ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus to meet that need. And I love how we see throughout the gospels, throughout the story of Jesus, not just a a Jesus who saw the needs, Not just a Jesus who felt badly for the pain and the needs, but a Jesus who stepped in ready to help. Praise God. This is our Jesus. Amen? This is our Jesus. He's ready to step in. And I want to share a story with you today that really puts that, um, that really highlights that aspect of Jesus, that he is compassionate and that he's ready to help and he has the power to help. 
And it comes in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. I've, I've challenged you in this year to either bring uh, the physical book, the Bible, or have your phones or whatever device you need to open the Word of God as we come. I want to continue to challenge you to do that. Uh, let's bring the Word of God with us to church or to your living rooms as you're watching this. We're in chapter 8, verses 1 through four. And in this story, what I want to do is I want to share the story, provide some teaching along the way, and then I want to highlight three things, three challenges for us today. This is actually a very simple message. It's going to be very easy to understand. I think it's going to be challenging to practice. But I believe if we do practice it, um, not only will we be blessed for it, but um, the Lord would be blessed in and through it as well in his world. Let's read this story. Chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. We're going to kind of go verse by verse here, okay? And we're going to pause along the way. Let me share the context of this passage. It says that Jesus was coming down the mountainside. What mountainside? Well, when you read Matthew's Gospels, chapter 5, 6, and 7, talks about how Jesus is giving this sermon on the mount. This is his teaching uh, on, on what it is to be in the kingdom of God, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a follower of him, how we should act, how we should behave, uh, how, how the Lord moves in power. It's this amazing teaching that we're going to come to in the new year. But Jesus gives this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and now Scripture is telling us in chapter 8 that he's coming down the mountainside, and there's a couple of things that we learn as he's coming down the mountainside. It says that large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. So what I want to tell you about this large crowd was that this was not an angry mob of people. Jesus would get those crowds soon enough, but not at this point. The people were not angry with him. The people weren't upset with him. The people at this point aren't trying to kill him. No, he's talking before this great multitude of people. He ends his sermon and he begins to walk down the mountainside and crowds, large crowds of people follow him. Why? Here's why. Because they saw that Jesus was powerful. They saw that Jesus was good. They saw that Jesus was relevant. They saw that Jesus was radical. They wanted to know more about who this Jesus was, so they began to follow him. They aren't an angry mob. No, in chapter 7 of Matthew's gospel, it says this about what the people felt after Jesus gave this great sermon. I'm sure this is what happens in, in, at Walnut Hill all the time, too. I'm sure this is what happens around your lunch tables and everything like that in all of our campuses. When any of our teaching pastors preach, I'm sure this is what you say. I'm sure. I'm, just let me believe it, okay? It's a, it says this in chapter 7, the people were amazed by what Jesus shared. <laughs> amazed. Well, when Jesus speaks, people are amazed. When Jesus speaks, people are amazed. And so this group of people, they're following Jesus, this great crowd, because they're amazed by him. So see that, that posture there. Let's continue on. And it says this, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Suddenly. Um, this probably wasn't sudden for the man with leprosy, but it was sudden for everybody else. Another word you could put in there is abruptly or maybe shockingly a man with leprosy approached Jesus. I wonder if this was a calculated decision by this man with leprosy. It probably was. He may have even been waiting for Jesus through the sermon. 
<laughs> Maybe I just imagine him kind of waiting, you know, off to the side, kind of looking at his, well, he didn't have a watch, but he's, you know, kind of watching the sun maybe as it keeps moving on. How long is this guy going to talk? I just want to encounter him. I just want to approach him. And finally, Jesus comes down. Maybe some of you are asking that as well. How long is this guy going to talk for? I just want to talk to him, approach him, ask some questions, right? And so finally, maybe not so suddenly for the man with leprosy, but suddenly to everybody else, or shockingly to everyone else, this man with with leprosy approaches Jesus. Why is it sudden? Why is it abrupt? Why is it shocking? It's shocking because he was a man with leprosy, because he was a leper, and he was approaching a rabbi. He was approaching this great teacher. This was not to be done. Let me tell you a little bit about leprosy. In our uh, current day, we call leprosy Hansen's disease. This is what the Bible is talking about when it talks about leprosy. It's a disease of the nervous system. Uh, it's, it's, it, it takes down and attacks the nerves. The bacterium of this disease attacks the nerves. There are a lot of different symptoms, but it, it attacks the skin and deteriorates the skin, oftentimes in the hands and the feet and the face on the earlobes most prominently. It, um, it, it kills the nerves and, it, and it, it stunts the nerves and it actually causes the loss of pain. Now you might think, wow, that's a really great thing, but actually it leads to lots of danger because folks who have leprosy can't feel pain. Oftentimes the loss of extremities or uh, other uh, ailments or, or things that happen to their body aren't necessarily the result of the disease, but the result of not having pain. And so you can imagine if you can't feel anything, maybe you don't feel that thing slam down on your hand or you don't feel it when your hand is too close to the fire. And so you can imagine all the difficulties that come from this. Also with this disease, tumors would often grow on the skin and in the respiratory tracts. Not only was this a physically difficult disease, but this was an isolating disease as well. Those with leprosy not only had to deal with the physical ailments, but they had to deal with the isolation. People who had leprosy were cast out of the community. They were told to be far away. Now, they could come to the, to the temple, to the synagogue, but they had to arrive before everybody else. They had their own section. They were sectioned off, and then they had to wait for everybody to leave before they could leave. They weren't to touch anybody, and they weren't to come within six feet of any person. It was a completely isolating disease. In fact, your own family members would push you outside of of that community. You were isolated completely. But not only that, it had spiritual implications as well. Because a person with leprosy was seen as somebody who had fallen out of favor with God. This is why they have leprosy, right? I mean, you must have leprosy because God doesn't approve of you, or you've failed him, or you've sinned against him in some way that he's struck you with leprosy. And so you can see the debilitating uh, fact of this great disease. The law in Leviticus 13 had a lot to say about leprosy and a lot to say about people with leprosy and how they were to act and behave. In chapter 13, it says this, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face 
So now the, the law is telling them, you, you need to show us that you have leprosy. Uh, we, we need to be able to identify that, so cut your clothes and do these things. But then this is what they also had to do. They had to cry out. Now imagine this. Imagine how humiliating this would be. Because of your condition, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. You had to make this announcement to the people. Listen, you need to know. You can see it in the way that I dress. You could probably see it on my skin, but maybe if it wasn't advanced yet, but you, you knew you had it, you had to go in and you had to cry out, unclean. Imagine the humiliation of this. Imagine if you had to go into public spaces and cry out whatever's ailing you. How humiliating that would be. It was a hopeless condition. To the rabbis and the the religious leaders of the day, the cure of a leper was seen to be as difficult as raising somebody from the dead. In all biblical history, only two people had been cured of leprosy from the stories of the Bible that we can see. One was Miriam, who's the sister of Moses, and you can read that story in Numbers 12. Another is this general named Naaman, and that's in 2 Kings chapter 5. You might remember if you know the story, Elijah the prophet comes and tells him to, to bathe himself in the Jordan River seven times. Reluctantly he does it, but then he's, he's cured and healed. So the healing of people with leprosy was, had not been done for 700 years up until this point. We also know from scripture that the healing of leprosy would mark the messianic age. Meaning that when lepers were being healed, that was a sign and evidence that the Messiah had come. You, you might remember in, in Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to go and speak with Jesus and ask him, are you the Messiah? And I love how Jesus never says yes and no, right? He's never just like, yes. This is how he answers. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. So what does Jesus say? Yes. (laughs) That's what people would have heard when he said that. Are, Are you the Messiah? Well, the deaf hear, those with leprosy are cured. Ah, that's enough. That's all I needed to hear. The Messiah is here. Now, all of this to say about this disease, this disease would make a person hopeless. There is no way out until the Messiah came. And the bottom line is with leprosy is that whether it was of the fatal kind, and we learn from Luke's gospel that this particular man had an advanced case of leprosy, whether it was fatal or, or otherwise, if you had leprosy, you were walking dead. That's what it felt like. And so scripture goes on. And it says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him. I love this. I want you to picture this man who's been cast out of the community, who, who feels like and has been made to feel like he has this because God doesn't love him. So not only is he outside of his you know, family community, but he's outside of, of the favor of God. Imagine 
Imagine this man out of great desperation coming to Jesus and approaching him, breaking all the rules, breaking all the laws, and coming and approaching Jesus. He was desperate for Jesus. He was depending on Jesus. I want you to see the face of of desperation on this man. I also want you to see the face of hope on this man's face. You got to think, he's thinking to himself, I'm only going to break this rule, these laws, which would have led to his death probably anyway. I'm only going to take this calculated risk knowing and believing that this Jesus is able to heal me. You got to see the face of this man who, who has some hope on his face. Well, this is my shot. I want you to see the courage on this man's face as he approaches Jesus. At all costs, I'm going to get close to Jesus. At all costs, I don't care what other people say to me. I don't care if other people throw stones at me, which was likely. I don't care if this means this is what's going to lead me to my death. I'm dying anyway. I don't care, I'm getting to Jesus. I love the courage. I want us all to have the courage of this man with leprosy, that we do everything at all costs to get close to Jesus. And so he approached Jesus. And this is it, I love his posture, it says, and he knelt before him. He takes on this posture of, of worship before Jesus. He doesn't come in and say, hey, Jesus, hey, 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 listen, I only got a couple minutes here, so let me just get right to the chase here. I need some healing. Can you do it for me? Come on, come on, pray. Do the thing, do the thing, Jesus. Do the thing. No, he comes, and he bows down before Jesus. Bows down before Jesus. He's probably thinking, he said, I know that this is my chance. I've heard the stories that everyone that was brought to Jesus was healed This is surely the Messiah. Now, I love this. It goes on, and this is what he says. Lord, the man said, before Peter would ever say to Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the Lord, this man with leprosy claims who Jesus is first. Lord, he says, he rightly entitles Jesus. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Lord, if you are willing. Notice that this man doesn't ask or say to Jesus, if you're able, can you heal me and make me clean? No, no, he he, somehow he has this faith knowing that Jesus is able. Man, I've heard the stories. Everybody that was brought to Peter's mother-in-law's house got healed, every single person. So Jesus, I know you're able, so now we're past that. So now, if you're willing, Jesus, if it's in your will, if it's in your way, Jesus, then I have these two requests. Heal me and cleanse me. Now, when you read other translations, actually the NLT is the only translation, I believe, that says heal me and cleanse me. All the other translations just say cleanse me. I actually think that's the more accurate translation. Cleanse me. See, what this man with leprosy was asking for was for a complete healing, a complete cleansing. He wasn't just asking for his physical body to be healed. Of course he was asking for that, but he was asking that he would be purified in a way that he'd be welcomed back into the community and also welcomed back into the presence of God. He was looking for complete purification, Take this from me, Jesus. 
heal me and cleanse me. Now, just imagine the crowd in this moment. Imagine the crowd. Imagine this great group of people. Now, I would think that Jesus has this big crowd of people following him. They're, they're, they're amazed by him. So for, for most people, that feels good, right? It feels good to have a crowd of people, a lot of followers, a lot of likes, you know, following after you, and you could feel pretty good about that. And a lot of times what human beings do is they focus on the crowd and they miss the one, but not Jesus, not Jesus. Jesus isn't all hung up about the crowd. Oh, look how great I am. That was a pretty good, that must have been a great sermon. I should do this more often. Look at all these great people following me. No, no, he wasn't all mixed up with the popularity of the crowd. No, he was there to bring his kingdom. And all of a sudden, this man with leprosy approaches him, falls at his feet, and makes this request, if you're willing, heal me, cleanse me. And all of a sudden, I just imagine Jesus just kind of focusing on the one. I want you to imagine you're in the crowd and you're part of the crowd and, and let's just say I pulled you in this moment and I asked you a few different questions. Hey, listen, this man's made this request. He, he's got leprosy and, and I just want to ask you three questions. You know, do you think Jesus should walk away? Yes or no? Do you, do you think Jesus should tell the, the, the man with leprosy to back away? Yes or no? Do you think Jesus should touch this leper? Yes or no? I would imagine pretty much everybody in that crowd would answer, yeah, Jesus, you need to back away. The law says, Jesus, man, Jesus, you you need to walk away yourself. Get get away. If he touches you, you're going to become unclean. Get away, Jesus. And no, don't touch him. That's not the way things work in our world right now. Don't touch him. And then I love how scripture goes on. This is, I love Jesus, man. I love Jesus. He's bold. A lot of times I read the stories of Jesus and I think to myself, I'm too weak in my faith. I don't have enough courage. Look at this. This is what Jesus says. He doesn't even say anything yet. Jesus reached out and touched him. I can't, I can't overstate the impact of this moment. Can't overstate it. You, are not, you should not touch this man, Jesus. You will become unclean. I'm gonna touch him. <laughs> no, you've got it backwards. You don't understand the ways of the kingdom of God. You understand the ways of the world. I'm about to teach you something. No, what we do in the kingdom of God is we care and we have compassion and we love and we step in and meet the needs of the the most vulnerable. I'm gonna touch him. And I'm not afraid of of this disease. I'm not afraid of this sickness. No, the power of God is is in me. I'm, I'm gonna touch this man. He hasn't been touched maybe for years. This man needs to know that he's loved. You see, everyone here is seeing the leprosy. I'm seeing the person. We should be praising God that we have a God like that. That you might be thinking, oh God, he sees my my failure first. No, he sees the person. Oh God sees my failed marriage first. I, I can't, nope, he sees you, the person. 
God sees this issue that I'm dealing with. No, first he sees the person. Everyone else saw the leprosy. Jesus saw the person. So Jesus reaches out and he touches him. And he's making a point without even having to say it to everybody there. No, my kingdom is powerful enough to overcome this. You might think that me being clean, touching him will become unclean. But actually me as the clean one touching the unclean, they become clean. That's how this kingdom works, is that when I touch people, restoration happens. When I touch people, healing happens. When I touch people, saving happens. That's the way the kingdom works. I'm the Lord of this kingdom. I'm the king of this kingdom. Get used to it. This is how it works. And then Jesus speaks some words. He says, I am willing. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Imagine this healing that took place. I love how powerful the touch of Jesus is. This touch, it revealed the heart of God. It it reinstated the man back into his true identity as a child of God. This touch of Jesus was powerful. Just like that, this man's whole world is reoriented. He's raised from the dead. The Lord Jesus walks into his social death. He walks into his community death, into his family death, into his vocational death, and into his dying body and brings resurrection. He brings healing and cleansing. And then listen to what Jesus says next. He says, then Jesus said, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. What is Jesus doing? Why is Jesus always trying to conceal his miracles? Why is Jesus always trying to hide his healing? Is that what Jesus is doing? Actually, Jesus is doing quite the opposite here. In this case, what Jesus is doing is saying, listen, I want you to go and do what the law says now. Go and and present yourself to the priest. And the priest will examine you and then declare a miracle has happened. And a miracle has happened, so you don't have to worry about that. You can walk in and you can say, I used to have leprosy. Maybe you've seen me, and now I don't. Look. And then the priest will say, yes, a miracle has happened. This person with leprosy no longer has leprosy. Now that you know that the messianic age is tied to this kind of healing, what Jesus is trying to do is say, I'm giving you a testimony right now, and I want you to share it. I've changed your life, and I want you to announce for me that the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to announce for me through your healing and in front of all these people that the Messiah is here, the king is here. So no, don't conceal it. Go and tell the priests. Let everybody know that you've got a testimony. Let me just share a few different things of what I see happening in this story and a couple challenges for us. Three things I see happening in this story. First, or three things I want to highlight, many things happening. The first is this. I want to highlight the fact that he fell at the feet of Jesus. I want you to to see the desperation. He fell at the feet of Jesus. Second thing, I want you to see that he received from the power of Jesus. 
He received cleansing. He he received restoration physically, spiritually, socially. But even more than that, he received transformation. He was made into a, a new person. He was no longer the man with leprosy. He was the man that used to have leprosy, but was healed by Jesus. He was a new person. But not only that, he received a testimony. And he was sent by Jesus out. Third thing is he shared the story of Jesus. These are the three main things I see in this, in this story. He felt, fell at the feet of Jesus, he received from the power of Jesus, and he shared the story of Jesus. So here's the application for us today. First, we all need to fall at the feet of Jesus. We all need to fall at the feet of Jesus. You know, I, I think in, in, in Christianity today, as I see it, as I look around, as I experience this world right now, I believe two critical components of our faith are under threat right now. And if we don't humbly fall at the feet of Jesus, these two components will go extinct. And with them, if they go extinct, the Christian faith will go extinct as well. I hope you're, you're hearing the urgency here. Here are the, the two components of the Christian faith that, that I'm seeing under threat right now. The first is this, our desperation for Jesus. And the second is this, our dependency on Jesus. I see both of these in this man with leprosy. He was desperate for Jesus. He put his life in danger. He radically stepped out in faith to receive from Jesus. He knew there was nothing he could do in his own power. He bowed down before Jesus, desperate for his touch. Are you desperate for Jesus? And he was dependent on Jesus. He knew only Jesus could help him out of his brokenness. No one else but Jesus was the answer. He he was broken, weak, unclean, and he needed the touch of Jesus to resurrect him. He knew there was nothing else that could deliver him. I wonder, are you desperate for Jesus? And if not, what are you desperate for? And is it better than Jesus? I wonder, are you dependent on Jesus? And if not, what are you depending on? And is it better than Jesus? The answer to those questions is no. Jesus is far superior than anything you can be desperate for besides him. He's far superior than anything else that you can depend on. And friends, I believe that this is a year where we need to ask the Lord, Lord, help me learn, help me learn my need for you. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Let's fall at his feet. Let's be dependent on him. Second thing, we all need to receive from the power of Jesus. We all need cleansing, don't we? We all need to be forgiven of our sins. We all need restoration, don't we? We need the restoration of our, of our brokenness. I'm so thankful for this church that cares so much about people. And, um, you know, on your, on your way out, there are these cards that say care and support on them. And, and each week, there are different groups that meet that can help you in your need. There's cancer support groups, Celebrate Recovery. There's money courses that can help you uh, just map out your finances. There's mental health opportunities for you to drop in and and learn about. There's marriage support. There's pastoral care. There's community groups. There's all kinds of ways for you to find care. And I want you to just look at this and prayerfully consider um, how you uh, can step into these things. 
But we all need to receive the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus to, to welcome us into his family. The power of Jesus to send us out. You know, as a staff, we were reflecting on Mark chapter 10, which is the story of this blind man. And uh, he calls out for Jesus. People tell him to be quiet, but he calls out louder. I love that about him too. Jesus calls him to him, so he literally has to get up. He's blind and walk to Jesus, find his way to Jesus. And Jesus asks him a very peculiar question. He asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Seems very clear, doesn't it? I want to see but Jesus, he, he wanted this man to articulate it, to ask him, to, to say it out loud. And, and as a staff, we were asking ourselves, you know, what if Jesus asked me that question today? What if he asked you that question today? What do you want me to do for you? I want you to answer that question today. If Jesus were standing in physical form before you asking, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer I'd love for you even to write it down, make it a prayer, and ask the Lord. He's here, he can move in power. And all of us, we need to fall at his feet humbly, but we also need to receive from the power of Jesus. Last thing I'll say, and I love this about this story, we all need to tell the story of Jesus. I love that Jesus sends this man to go see the priest to get this miracle validated. And I'm sure the priest validates it, and now all of a sudden he's got this free pass to go and share about the goodness of Jesus, about the miracle of Jesus in his life. Listen, if I could, I'd hand out free passes to each and every one of you, but you have a free pass to go out and tell about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We should be people who are telling the story of Jesus. Telling the story of Jesus as we see it in the Gospels, but also as we experience it in our lives. Friends, let's be bold and courageous in our faith, stepping out to share the stories of how Jesus is moving in our lives. And so the call is this. Let's fall at the feet of Jesus. We need him. We need him. Let's be dependent upon him. We need you, Jesus. Let's ask boldly for the power of Jesus to move in our lives. And when Jesus moves, when he speaks, let's go and share the story of how good he is. I pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus himself. Amen.